Welcome. The 2014 draft is in the books, and you have downloaded the SoxProspects.com podcast draft recap. My name is Chris Hadfield. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, I'm joined right now by uh, uh, Matt Hegel. Matt, hello. Hey, Chris. How's We're it going? Good. We're going to have uh, Ian Kundal on a little bit later to talk about uh, the draft as well. But for now, we're going to talk to Matt. Uh, Matt did most of our um, a lot of our draft coverage this year. Um, we had our whole team uh, working on that over at news.soxprospects.com. So anything that you're looking to hear, read, read up about the draft, make sure you check that out first. Uh, we've got recaps on the top 10 picks and then uh, on the uh, rounds 11 to 40 kind of more generally and the signing period welcome done by Mike Andrews today. Uh, and then Matt obviously did our, our daily recaps for ESPNBoston.com. So uh, we're going to talk to Matt a little bit about what he learned doing those today. I can, I can say from experience that having to look up uh, something on literally every single player that the Red Sox selected. Um, it, it makes you kind of an expert on things, so that's why we've got Matt on here today. Uh, but before we start, want to make sure we ask you all to follow us on Twitter, at Sox Prospects. Uh, I'm at SP Chris Hatfield. Matt is at Matt Hegel, H-U-E-G-E-L-S-P. So yep. at Matt Hegel, S-P. Um, don't worry, I wasn't going to forget. <laughs> um, I switched the SP up. Yes, yeah, yeah. We, we just like to make it comfortable for everybody. Is, is, uh, is, <laughs> I think is that's really... how Mike Mike Andrews has it too. So yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm the one who screwed up. Okay, <laughs> I'm the one who screwed up. It's fine. Um, but you know, once we've you got got to uh, be different. Yeah, once we've got that uh, that uh, you know name recognition, you got to stick with it. Right. Um, also, you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook's. Sorry, geez, f- Facebook.com/slash Socks Prospects. It's not Twitter. <laughs> um, and uh, and finally, make sure you follow us and rate and review us on iTunes, or subscribe, I guess would be the word, not follow. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us out a lot. helps us get uh, get eyes uh, when people search for things to listen to. Uh, and spread the word to your friends if, if they're the podcast type, if they're Red Sox fans. Uh, make sure you spread the word. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump into this. Uh, over the past three days, that would be this past Friday, uh, June the 6th, Oh, sorry, started on Thursday the 5th, Friday the 6th, and Saturday the 7th. The 2014 Major League Baseball draft was held. The Red Sox drafted 40 guys of varying talent levels, various chances to sign, various bonuses necessary to sign, and uh, we've got Matt on to talk all about that. So first, Matt, I'm just going to ask you, having, having run down the entire draft, what is your impression of uh, the draft class that the Red Sox have this season? Well, I really like what they did with the first four picks specifically. Um, those are all sort of high upside guys combined with some somewhat of a floor. Even you know Chavis, if if that's a, if I'm pronouncing it right, I'm sure we'll talk about him they, more Mike, later. Michael Chavis, the first, and just to say, first four picks is the picks in the first three rounds. It's they had two first round picks, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, even Chavis, you know, doesn't have a sort of has a higher floor than most high school players, and um, just in general. I thought it was interesting. We saw them move away from the senior senior sign strategy that we've seen the first two years in the system, um, where they would uh, draft seniors late, later in the first uh, ten rounds to be able to keep that that slot money, but sign them for way under slot so that the extra money could go towards um, towards signing other tough signs. And, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. The only true college senior that they drafted was, was that Cole Sturgeon, the 10th round pick out of Louisville. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, because Reed Riley is a senior, but has eligibility left. Yeah. He was a red shirt sophomore, I believe. Okay. So he's not like a, a red shirt senior. He's an actual senior who in theory could then become a red shirt senior. Is that the case? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's how it, how it work would work. Okay. Um, and then, so, so we sort of saw them move away from that and one, well, actually, while you're all we're on that, one more question, because it's funny, baseball mm-hmm. America noted that this was kind of the high watermark for seniors being drafted. Um, th- there were 71 seniors taken in the top 10 rounds, um, which, uh, is, you know, a new record. Uh, the previous two seasons there had been, uh, 57 was last year and, uh, or sorry, it was 57 two years ago and 58 last year. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is kind of a guess, but do you think this might be a little bit of zigging while everyone else was zagging, perhaps, on the Red Sox part? Yeah, I mean, that's that's how I how I would uh, classify it. I I think that um, 
other teams sort of saw how the Red Sox worked at the first two years, and other teams. It's not like the Red Sox were the only team doing that. Sure. But um, I think Texas and Toronto are other teams that were heavy into that strategy, and I think the Blue Jays this year were the high water mark. Uh, they had um, because they had seven selections in the first three rounds. They then went with seven seniors from rounds four to ten. So uh, that was in the 2012 draft. I'm sorry, I misread the article. But anyways, uh, that's that's a past example. Yeah. So I mean, I thought I thought it was interesting that. Uh, that that they did move away from it in the fact that um that uh well it seems to me a little bit perhaps if i can maybe throw something in here that yeah, they do. definitely went with some underslot guys it's just they weren't college seniors does does that mm-hmm. sound right so for example one guy the first guy that comes to mind is uh Kevin McAvoy out of Bryant the right-hander they took in the 4th round um it seems to me like he's a guy that will sign for far under slot because he wasn't even on the Baseball America top 500 prospects. Um, kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, no one really had much to say on him after the pick, it seemed like. I don't know if I'm, I'm kind of... Yeah, there were some people that liked him. I remember like Al, Al Skrupa saw him, um, I believe, in the Cape League. Um, mm-hmm. And some people like him as a as a reliever. But yeah, I would agree with that for the most part. Um, the thing with that though is even even that slots like 350k. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough. I think that one reason they went, moved away from that is because it's tough to save a lot of money that way. Even even you know if if they signed fourth rounder for 5k, say that would save a decent amount of money. But mm-hmm. even if you're doing that for several of these picks, I mean the slots only going down as you get you know closer to 10. So it's yeah. like you really can't save much more than say a million a million and a half at at most so it's hard to really lure a guy like um you know that we'll talk about later um like like uh jaron um kendall jaron kendall the kendall wisconsin jaron, high school right. jaron kendall out of high out of high school in wisconsin uh there are a bunch of guys later on and we'll get to those that uh, it's, could be high slot signs with yeah it's just hard for those guys who really say that they're you know in the old system guys who said they were going to college you could slowly start to change their mind by bumping up and bumping up that money a little bit. But it's it's just hard to have enough wiggle room to really bump it up to a place where it's life-changing and something that they'll look at and say, you know, regardless of my, my plans before this, it just do- doesn't make sense to not accept this amount of money, basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe last year the Red Sox wound up, were they under their cap or did they just have money left over? For the five percent mark that that uh, you know is kind of the actual cap because all you do is get you know charged a tax on the overage, um, but right. I think they kind of got caught holding their hat a little bit because they had money left but not enough to get many of the of the overslot signs later on like the Jordan Sheffields of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. So I know when we when we were, when we were talking, uh, especially after day two, um, when we were talking about uh, you know what you were going to send it to ESPN, it seemed that. You know the the strategy was there, but maybe they just kind of sh- were looking at it a little bit of well, how much are we really going to save taking the tenth round pick, giving them you know ten grand and saving less than a hundred thousand, uh, right. you know, and and maybe you know in your last three picks you're saving three hundred thousand. Well, that's nice, but that's one more okay late round slot signing, whereas maybe. You know, saving 300k on one pick in the fourth round, saving 300k on another pick in the fifth round, that may be marginally a little bit better. But you know, what are you giving up in those rounds? It's it's kind of a, it's it's certainly a a moving target here, so to speak. The teams haven't figured out quite yet. I, th- I think is is what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I personally, I wonder how much they saw what other maybe knew what other teams were going to do this year, taking college seniors. Um, and find kind of, or maybe looking for the, like I said, zig when everyone else is zagging, finding the market inefficiency, and where this year that may not have been college seniors. Um, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, they could have also targeted guys like Danny Mars, Ben Moore, perhaps as guys that might sign under slot that we're not necessarily seeing um, mm-hmm. off the top. It might not be as obvious because they're not college seniors, but. Yeah, um, Danny Mars, an outfielder from uh, Juco in Florida, taken in the sixth round, Ben Moore. Uh, an eighth rounder out of Alabama who played uh, the outfield this year, but was announced as a catcher uh, where he had played earlier in his, uh, in his college career. So um, 
Yeah. They actually selected another guy out of Chipola College, the junior college where Danny Mars is out of. So that was uh, yeah, Ian Rice, the catcher. Yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Um, and and I saw trying, him while they were scouting down there. Possible, possible. And I think I'm trying to think is uh, is Koch, is Tom Kochman the Florida amateur scout still? Um, I, I don't believe know if he was. Although he was, I think he was last year. But now that he's the, I think he's the head coach of the GCL squad now. So one wonders if uh, if they still had him scouting or if he's maybe. Moved. I yeah. probably should look that up. Other uh, things before to I do. Talk to, yeah, before I talk to you <laughs> later. Um, well, at any rate, yeah, let's start at the top of the draft then with some of these guys. Um, I think I'm with you, and I really like the first four picks as well. So let's start at the top with Michael Chavis, uh, an infielder out of high school in Georgia, Sprayberry High School to be specific. Um, I really like the pick. It seemed like the team really liked the pick. Um, what, what do we What do we got in Michael Chavis or Chavis? Yeah, um, yeah, I like the pick as well. I actually predicted it right before it happened. I was pretty proud of that. Patrick <laughs> sacked himself in the back a little harder. Yeah, yeah, there, sure. there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, he seems like a guy who's he's a real like gamer type. Mm-hmm. You know, he mentioned uh, Pedroia as 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 one of his favorite players, um, and he's he's a bit undersized as well. Um, at I guess he's listed at five ten. He was listed at six feet somewhere, but I I'm guessing because yeah. he said he said something that. Uh, MLB Network, like I, I watch Pedroia because I'm, you know, a smaller Under guy like feet. that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's, I mean, he's a guy. Um, reminds me a little bit of maybe even a Sean Coyle um, with with uh, power potential for his good power potential for his size, um, and um, just you know, good hitting ability. We'll see where he plays in the infield. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. We're thinking. Well, third. it sounds like they're going to start him at shortstop, according to Emil Sade, uh, mm-hmm. when he told the, the 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 media after the draft. But you know, you wonder. It's funny. He'll probably go to the Gulf Coast League to start, and the Gulf Coast League has Javier Guerra at shortstop right now as well. They certainly could timeshare, but um, and with the other one DHing. Uh, but you would think you would try and get those guys innings in the field. Um, Meanwhile, there's nobody at third base with Rafael Devers in the Dominican Summer League, and perhaps um, we're hearing maybe not coming over to the Gulf Coast League right away, at least. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, one would think with Chavis potentially moving to third, that's where they would have put him, um, and perhaps like a Will Middlebrooks-type situation where they moved him right after drafting him. And uh, was, Oh, Garen Cicchini, uh, right. also the same yeah, thing. Yeah, Cicchini. Uh, yeah, Cicchini. That's mean, what I thought was going to happen, but probably right. not. And uh, yeah, I mean he has a plus arm, so it should play up there, mm-hmm. um, like quick, quick first step action. So that I mean that should play up. But um, you know they could change their mind once they get him, you know, in uniform and, and mm-hmm. see him a little mm-hmm. bit more, and, and just decide it's not worth it to start him at short. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, because we, th- I think that at this point it seems like third. Mm-hmm. Will be his his destination. Yeah. Um. The the twenty sixth pick overall, where he was taking, has a. a one million eight hundred seventy thousand five hundred dollar slot value. Um, it bugs the hell out of me, by the way, that Major League Baseball doesn't just round these damn numbers off. <laughs> but anyway, um, probably is going to wind up taking about that to sign him out of his commitment to Clemson. Um, so probably not over or under slot. I think we can. I think that's kind of our consensus that he'll probably be right around there. Does that yeah, make sense? I, yeah, I, yeah, maybe uh, plus or minus shade over or shade yeah. under. Uh, probably a shade over. I think Mike projected it at uh, one nine, and that sounds about right to me. Mm. Um, well, let's move on to the other Michael, Michael Kopech, out of high school in Texas. Um, hey, what do you know? The Red Sox took a tall pitcher. Uh, what, what do you think about Michael Kopech? Yeah, so he's uh, he's a little bit. Raw, but athletic and can reach up to to ninety eight. Actually, he's got kind of a funky delivery. Very uh, funky. We'll talk more so about that with Ian later. But it's a very. It doesn't. You don't have to be a scout to see the funk in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian can fill you in more on the scouting, but I would say um, some people are saying about that that it could lead to some injuries. Um, potentially see that if they can't iron it out. Um, but you know, he's he's got a live. Live arm, that type of guy, um, still still developing. But he seemed like a guy who sort of was going a little under the radar. It seemed like scouts were saying that afterwards, and uh, he got he's got a got a high ceiling. So it's it's good to see. I think that's sort of a trend with 
at least three out of the four first picks is mm-hmm. high ceiling guys, which people yeah. always love to dream on. We'll see once they get in the system. Yeah, I remember after the first night, or I, what I thought was the first night, I admittedly, I admittedly completely forgot that round two was on the first night I as well. Did, I, did I, was about to, I was about to go to sleep and then check Twitter one last time, and the Sox were about to pick again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but same. yeah, Kopech, you, you read about him, and it just seems like, wait, that this guy fell to 33, really? Mm-hmm. Um Touching 98, uh, it's kind of funny. The thing I love about Kopech on his uh, on his Twitter account, and you know, you get your little summary, your little like 140 character summary under your name or whatever. In there, it says 99 miles per hour, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love that. It's like, yeah, I throw hard, <laughs> and I'm gonna throw it by you. Um, and it, you know, with the breaking ball and the changeup, they're both flash plus. Um, there's a lot to work with there. It, it, I hate to say this because of what might, might sound like a negative connotation on the guy I'm going to compare it to, but it almost seems like there's a higher, like th- there's more tangible things here to like from a scouting side than what we read on Trey Ball last year, which is yeah. a horrible thing to say because how how that might be taken. I don't mean Trey Ball stinks. Um, mm. <laughs> I you know I don't mean to read into the bad six starts or whatever. But it's it, it's just weird to me the comparison. I just feel like I'm more excited about this than Ball. I don't know why. It's I don't know. Maybe it's just yeah, the, mean, num- the maybe it's the radar gun. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it seems like he's had more success than Ball at this point already. Um, mm. But uh, Ball was more of a two way guy who yeah. who, who yeah. was raw as a pitcher exactly. to start. So. Exactly, and Kopech might need a complete retooling of the mechanics too. So. I think we we may have both said I don't know if you were the other one who said this right around when I was thinking it, but on Twitter the other night. But don't be surprised if at the beginning of next year the numbers are not good with Kopech, um, because I have a feeling they're going to have to do some ironing out in that delivery, and that'll play out in uh, perhaps the numbers maybe not being there uh, to start. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I love the Kopech pick. Um, finally, in the uh, in the second round, 67th overall, the Red Sox went with a college college bat. Uh, and that's that of Sam Travis, the first baseman at Indiana University. Um, kind of a, a for for the number sixty seventh pick overall. I like it for a college bat. Uh, what did you think about him, Matt? Yeah, I agree. It seemed like he slid a little bit, and seems like kind of not a very sexy pick. Um, I don't know. Almost reminds me of like a lower level uh, first base version of Colin Moran. That's exactly what I was just thinking. As (laughs) soon as you started saying that, I wonder if he's going to say Colin Moran. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason that keeps coming to mind, but yeah, I mean, he's young too. He's only 20, um, for, uh, for college junior. So, um, you know, sort of an advanced bat, some power all all around. Good, you know, good bat. The question is, you know, he's a first base only prospect. Although some people have said that they may try him in the outfield, Mm -hmm. um, that he may have the athleticism for a corner outfield spot. Um, But, um, you know, I think I think it's interesting that they picked a first baseman this high. It's something they haven't they've haven't done much of um, picking picking first base only prospects in general. No. uh, Early in the draft. And I I, I get why they don't do that. But at times I feel like. You can sort of um, handcuff yourself by by focusing too much on on the position or trying to get middle infielders all the time, for instance, because um, the bat just doesn't play out sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if if the bat's there, then then you know the position doesn't really necessarily matter that much if if he can continue to hit his way up through the system, which right. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and it's kind of funny while we're talking about first baseman, the the fifth round pick, Josh. Uh, Okimi, which is mm-hmm. probably not how it's pronounced, but uh, also a first base only prospect out of uh, Philly, uh, out of high school in Philly, and um, kind of the seems like the standard sort of big lefty hitting first baseman with some power potential, um, which again doesn't seem like the type of guy they usually draft. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he was interesting because he wasn't on Baseball America's top five hundred. But seems like seems like he has a real high potential, um, high ceiling, but um, but is obviously raw at this point. They had him in for a workout, and they liked what they saw. Reported, I think Jim Callis said that on yep. on MLB Network. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy as well. It'd be interesting to see if he maybe takes a little below slot. Um, he is a high schooler, but uh, it could be potential potential mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I, I think I remember reading someone saying that he had some uh, some good power. I'm trying to look back through my tweets and retweets and find it. I don't think I'm going to, but c'est la vie. Um, 
But at any rate, yeah, um, kind of skipping around a little bit here. Let's go with the, the final pick in those first three that I think we both like is uh, Jake Cosart out of Seminole State in Florida, not Seminole State in Oklahoma, Hatfield. <laughs> um, yes, to, to don't be confused. He did not go to the same school that Teddy Stankowitz, last year's second-round pick, played at. Stankowitz is out of the Oklahoma version of Seminole State. But Cosart's from Seminole State in Florida, uh, also a very good – the problem is that both Seminole States are also very good baseball schools uh, as far as JUCOs go. But uh, right. Cosart is the younger brother of Jared Cosart of the Astros, and uh, – what what do we get out of out of Jake Cosart, Matt? Yeah, he was a uh, outfielder earlier in his career. I think he actually he transferred Duke. from Duke. Yeah, from Duke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he to me he kind of reminds me of maybe a slightly rarer Kopech. Um, he's he's got the the hard fastball and mm, touch uh, ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, and uh, secondaries are a, a work in progress at this point. Mm-hmm. But he's got you know obviously low mileage on the arm, and that's something. The Red Sox have targeted in the past, and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, high ceiling guy. We'll see if he can stick in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And it seems like another thing with a lot of these guys, the same could be said of Travis too, is that they got taken right around where BA Baseball America and Perfect Game had them ranked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kozark got taken hundred third, and BA had him ninety seventh. Perfect Game had him hundred and second. Um, so means almost nothing, but it's kind of nice to see at least someone agrees on some of these picks. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it seems like in general, this draft, I know yep. we said that the seniors, a lot of seniors got taken, but I think Later. in the first four rounds or so, it really went according yeah. to a lot of the ratings, and mm-hmm. a lot of the, there weren't as many, there were guys who slipped um, due to signability, but there weren't the same kind of you know, guys you're really looking at who you really wanted on day three. Yeah. There's only a couple of those guys, really. Yeah, and it seems like the few that slipped, they slipped because they literally may have been unsignable in the, kind of the Ryan Bolt last yeah. year sense of like, yeah, go ahead and sign him and talk, draft him and talk to him, but it's probably not happening. Um, you know, whereas with, with you know, this year it was just kind of like most of the guys went where they were supposed to, which is what this, the, the, you know, above everything else, you know, I think that's more or less what one of the top two goals of this CBA um, as it relates to the draft, what it was supposed to do. The, the, the teams were trying to get rid of the shenanigans of, you know, guy falls to round nine where he signs with the team who gives him first round money. And, you know, right. he turns out doing exactly what he was supposed to do. It's just that, you know, he went later. I, I think they were trying to make it so that, you know, something around the 30th best player gets taken 30th around the 60th best tape player gets taken 60th. And that's kind of what we saw this year, I think. And yeah. And obviously that puts more onus on, uh, on having the higher pick and and you can't mm-hmm. just uh, spend the money, you know, right. big market teams that always win still end mm-hmm. up winning in the draft too, in that way, obviously. Right. right. Um, all right. So after that, let's just kind of go with the rest of day two. So that'll be rounds four through 10. Um, any highlights there for you, Matt? I know we already talked about Okaimi or Okimi. Um, I, you know, Danny Mars, I think a little bit, but I'm not, I don't know what I'm seeing there as far as guys. It seemed to me like the Red Sox maybe went conservative for picks four through 10. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Josh Okami or Okami, however you say it, mm-hmm. uh, might be, well, I guess it's kind of conservative considering he wasn't rated that high, but it's sort of a high ceiling guy. It's sort of a, a I don't no, know. I a think reach. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Not a reach. Well, maybe a little bit of a reach might be a good yeah. way to put it. But um, they wanted to make sure they got him, and they got him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe it, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, if you have him rated as a potential fifth round talent, even if you know he's going to last till say round eight in this draft system, if you know you can sign him for eighth round money, then take him in the fifth round, save the money, and have it for guys after round ten. Right. You know, yeah, if exactly. you think if you think that you are not underselling yourself on that pick, um, I don't know that I necessarily think that's what happened. But it's like if you know we talk about process sometimes. If that's the process, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess another guy's Kevin Steen. He's a mm-hmm. projectable high school right-hander. Uh, so I mean, he's he's in the in the high eighties, touching the low nineties with the fastball. But uh, he's a great athlete who I. I actually remember uh, reading about him. He, he spent a lot more time playing basketball early in his high school career, so he's sort of a rawer than even your average high school pitcher. And he's only 17, so he has some uh, potential there. He's more of a project and a projection type guy. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and also interesting, I said this on Twitter, and uh, uh, a friend of mine who's a scout kind of kind of called me out a little bit on this for being dorky. But there's a independent wrestler named Kevin Steen who's relatively popular. So um, googling <laughs> nice. Kevin Steen will be interesting for fans who aren't expecting um, to see what they're going to see there. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So then on day two, and you know, just to kind of look back at last year, what happened, or actually the last two years, maybe um, last year. The Red Sox signed all of their picks through round 10. After round 10, they signed uh, everyone but Jordan Sheffield, the 13th round pick, through round 19. And then at, from round 20 and on, they only – so that would be uh, 21 picks. They signed 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Nine of those 21 players, and that includes Jeff Driscoll, who's probably never going to set foot on a baseball field. So call it uh, maybe eight. Um, so – you know, maybe maybe two different things here, but we're going to tackle the whole third day in its entirety. Um, who? Let's start, Matt. Who are some of the maybe guys who slipped? Who maybe we'll start with are looking unsignable um, and kind of the Ryan Bolt sort of. It's going to take first round money, and under this system, no team's really going to be able to do that uh, type mold. I know we we had mentioned to start with maybe Jaron uh, Jaron Kendall, uh, yep. who I think is going to Vandy. Um, maybe yeah. who, who might who might some others be, or including uh, him? Maybe you could talk about as well. Yeah, Jaron Kendall is. I think he's reaffirmed that he's uh, still planning on going to Vanderbilt at this point, and doesn't sound like he's going to get. They're going to be able to lure him away. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy maybe is uh, Trenton Kemp. He's uh, he MLB.com actually called him a quintessential high risk, high reward high school athlete with some loud tools. Mm-hmm. So um yeah he he's he's uh a a fast center fielder so mm-hmm. he's he's pretty raw but doesn't doubt they're going to be able to sign him. Mm-hmm. Um another guy's Devin Fisher, a catcher with uh great uh catching tools and I saw some people calling it saying he had a f- floor of a backup catcher in the majors. Because, Which for a high school catcher is kind of crazy. Yeah, exactly. And Most then, high school catchers are the other way around with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the bats more advanced than... Yeah, the interesting thing for me with Devin Fisher is beyond the fact that he's committed to my University of Virginia, <laughs> um, the reason that is also relevant beyond me being a homer is that uh, last year one of the Red Sox maybe high ceiling guys that we were hoping they might be able to sign was Matt Face, uh, a catcher they drafted in the 32nd round who was committed to and wound up going to Virginia so one wonders maybe, hey, with face there already, might that maybe make make it a little bit more likely that uh, that Fisher signs? Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Completely pie in the sky statement based <laughs> on nothing. So don't read too much into it. But something to think about. Uh, something that kind of popped into my head at least reading about Fisher. Um, and it, just to kind of go with the list that uh, maybe see if you agree or disagree on these maybe. But uh, the guys that Mike. Uh, Andrews had listed as as potential unlikely but possible tough signs were uh, Ryan Harris, who was the 26th rounder. He's a righty out of out of Florida, so college righty. Um, David Peterson, who uh, was drafted in the 28th round, a lefty out of Colorado high school, uh, high school in Colorado. Uh, Kendall, uh, Case Roser, or Roland, Case Roland. I don't know where Roser came from. Um, Case Roland, uh, a Texas high school righty. Um, and uh, Luis Alvarado, uh, and Alvarado was drafted in the 33rd round. He's at the Puerto Rico Baseball Academy. He's a right fielder. Um, any thoughts on any of those guys, Matt, before we kind of move on to maybe um, some of the tough signs? Yeah, I think, well, Ryan Harris, Ryan Harris seems like a guy who could sign. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a reliever at a college. Um, I agree on Josh Pennington. Or no, not Josh Pennington. He is going to sign. Um, David Peterson, mm-hmm. he was the 95th rated prospect by baseball america right and he actually slid due to a broken leg his senior year of high school so well, sounds like ryan bolt yeah exactly um and then i don't luis alvarado out of puerto rico yeah the puerto Rican baseball of, academy guys really go to college yeah exactly um yeah that's what i was thinking and reminds me of i guess ramos a little bit with more power potential and more size but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. He's a he's a he was a two way athlete with uh, great athleticism who is a little raw at this point, but he's like I think he's like six five or something. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, the guys that Mike had listed, and we'll see if you agree or disagree. I kind of like this uh, as as after tenth round guys who 
maybe seem like maybe one fifty to four hundred thousand dollar bonus type guys would be uh, the eleventh rounder Karsten Whitson, who's a, a Florida right-hander who probably worth maybe mentioning on his own. Whitson was the was it ninth overall selection three years ago. Um, I know he was picked in the first round uh, yeah. three years ago. Basically, dem- he turned down two million, I believe, to go to two college. Po- two point one, yeah. Turned down two point one million and went to college, and it all went wrong from there. He's uh, yeah. Basically, the the poster child for why you may want to to go ahead and take the money. Um, yeah, it was interesting. He he sort of um, looking back on it, he he was saying he just didn't feel like he was ready to go professionally. Really wanted to go to college. So I mean, you can kind of respect that when he he has. I mean, it it is in hindsight, but it, it's also what else is he going to say? Right, right. Um, you but know, it, I, if he's the type of guy who's going to say, "Yeah, I screwed up at this point. I don't know that I want to draft him." Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess I guess it's a good point to a certain degree. But anyways. Um, but yeah, he had shoulder problems his sophomore year, and he wasn't really as effective afterwards. And of course, shoulder problems always raise a red flag more than mm-hmm, really anything than else for a pitcher. Sure. So um, I guess he was still reaching 96 after the problems, but his secondary pitches were a lot more inconsistent. So I mean, there's a chance he can regain that first round form. I don't know that. I, I mean, I guess he's going to require overslot. I'm not sure how much because um, he is a senior. I, I believe he still has another year of eligibility, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it sounds like he definitely wants to sign based on – there's an article on uh, RedSox.com actually that actually says he is going to sign. But I don't know if that, if that writer knew what well, he was then. saying or I, – I don't know. Yeah. It, was, it was worded like he's going to sign in the next couple of weeks. But I, I don't know if it was just weird wording by the writer. But all the quotes in it also sounded like he was, he was basically pretty much certain that he was going to sign. So, um, so I don't know if they have a pre – draft deal worked out or something but uh, mm-hmm. i guess I, it might be a good time to mention those those first three picks um 11th 12th and 13th were all college uh pitchers which was interesting because you've seen more you've seen more high upside guys pick there in the last last few drafts but also that kind of goes along with the senior uh right. not using the senior strategy as much so those were all actually all three of those were guys who had injuries in college so i think that they're sort of targeting them as guys with upside who um, who slipped due to injury and maybe won't require as big of an injury, as big of a bonus uh, because of injury. Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of another way to, to still get the upside, but um, not have to go as big on the bonus. Okay, and just to recap one more time, the three guys you were referencing were Whitson and Beeks uh, and Beeks and J- Jalen Beeks and Chandler mm-hmm. Shepard. Yeah, those are, okay. That's what I thought. Eleven, twelve, and thirteenth, um, all college pitchers. I, th- I thought that was interesting. Catching up uh, right around round fifteen, seeing that they went with the three college arms there um, mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. Um, other guys that uh, Mike lists all three of those as signable, but over slot uh, slot for rounds eleven and on being a hundred grand, um, but maybe over slot. Um, for those three, uh, Trenton Kemp, who you had mentioned, and Devin Fisher, who you had mentioned, uh, he put Mike put in that group, um, as well as Ian Rice, who we had briefly mentioned out of Chipola College. He's a 21th round catcher, 20, 21th, 21st <laughs> round catcher out of Chipola. Uh, JJ uh, Mishevich, uh who was drafted in the 22nd round, a shortstop out of high school in Pennsylvania. Uh, and Josh Pennington, a a righty out of uh, high school in New Jersey, uh, at 29th round. Um, at 29th, at the 29th round. I, I speak words good today, <laughs> apparently. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you you kind of talked a lot about the college guys, but uh, do those other guys seem to fit maybe there beyond what you've already said on the guys? <clears throat> they may be a little tougher. Well, uh, first, the last guy you mentioned was Pennington. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually tore his UCL and is scheduled for Tom. Oh, John. he's the one who basically all but said he's going to sign and rehab with a team, right? Yeah, he did. Okay. He didn't all but say it. He he did say literally it. said it. Okay, he said he was he, he had a uh, potential to go in the top ten rounds, but he was, he said basically, I don't care where I get taken. I'm ready to start my career. Um, right. And you know, I just you know, I'll I'll basically take what they'll give me. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting I, that that falls to round 29. Why not pop him in the 10th and give him five grand? I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> I mean, he was... I, I guess he think, still has leverage, but... Yeah, and I don't I don't think he's a, a huge prospect combined with the fact that he's not going to mm-hmm. pitch in, you know, yeah. like over a year, so... True. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other guys you mentioned, um, some of those I think might be tougher signs than uh like trenton kemp mm-hmm. and devin fisher i think might be tough signs um i i yeah you said mike had him listed as 
overslot guys, which overslot but signable. Yeah, kind of like kind of in the, so just to give you a feel for that, that range is maybe where we would have put Nick Longy, who did sign for four hundred forty thousand last year, and may have put uh, some other guys who maybe didn't sign. Like uh, I'm, I'm looking maybe like Jimmy Allen out of Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else we would have put there that didn't wind up signing. Um, well, Gabe Spear, maybe, who signed for 200K. Um, who, by Nick the way, Zamorelli. Nick Zamorelli, we probably would have put there, and he didn't sign. But honestly, I have mm-hmm. a feeling that that might have been. Um, and there are some players I know that uh, have tweeted. I forget which one tweeted this. Uh, it would have been a day two guy. But I think that the Red Sox have basically been telling some of these kids, um, look, we'll consider signing you near the end of the signing period. We want to follow you for the summer playing with your summer team. Um, and I think with Zamorelli, it may have been kind of a thing where the, the club may have thought that he needed college more than he needed to sign right now, to be honest, because that seemed like it may have been, he was ready to go. <laughs> it certainly yeah. wasn't the player not signing unless, unless the money wasn't where he wanted it. Um, yeah. There's also something with him wanting to get picked earlier or something and then being upset. Oh, that was true, too. Yeah, um, something Twitter, like that. The Twitter rant didn't help. Right. Me. That's never a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dear potential high school draft picks, wait, don't go on Twitter when you're getting, when you're potential draft pick. Just yeah. Don't. Um, although I do have to say, uh, Michael Chavis, I like him already based on Twitter. Um, yeah. And, and, and MLB Network <laughs> with yeah. the bow tie. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention the bow tie. And I did, by the way, wear the bow tie at work on Friday. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, you, you gotta love a high school kid who wears a bow tie and rocks it. Not completely ironically, but not completely seriously either. Um, <laughs> you gotta, gotta tow that line. Yeah, I I think he towed it quite well. Um, yeah. yeah. So overall, and, and with the caveat that it is far too early to rate this draft, considering we don't even know who's signing yet. But based yeah, on your, just, well, based I was on your say, field, yeah. Well, all right, I'll go into that. But I was going to say also, based all this signing stuff and going off of Mike's list, it's very early. So, oh yeah, you know, we Mike, could be way off. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Mike put a lot of caveats that it's super early, so I don't want to yeah. make yeah. it sound like we're okay. Just fair. This. Very fair. We're not throwing Mike under the bus here. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, on the on the overall class, I, I mean, I I really like it. I think probably I might rate it as their best of the three under the new system so far, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's, it's really early to, to say that and to compare them at all. But yeah. I like that they sort of took a different strategy. I, the college senior strategy didn't seem to work as well as, as we thought, at least, I don't know. I always, it always seemed like, you know, they're pinching for every penny and then it just didn't really add up to, yeah. to enough to really, to make a big difference. Yeah, so, I agree. And they didn't they didn't completely go away from underslot guys. Um, you know, that that's still part of the strategy to, to move the money around where you can, but it just I don't think it works in this system to completely sell out. Um mm-hmm. although some people have tried some other teams tried it this year, so we'll see if if they're able to do it. It's, it's a lot of um a lot of analysis I think still to be done on this, oh, this sure. draft system. So. Sure. And and I mean to be fair too, I mean you look at one of the ten one of the ten grand guys last year was Kyle Martin, who's throwing pretty well in Salem this year. So turned out to be at least kind of a guy, if not a guy. Um yeah, you right. know, it's not like he's you know, it's not like it's as transparent as the team taking uh JT Watkins in the tenth round in twenty twelve as a nepotism pick. Right. Um and just giving him the- and giving oh. him five grand. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I think I'm kind of with you. I think. It's, go ahead. I think. Sorry, I think. I think we said that last year too. That that some of the senior signs they had last year were were better than the year we're before. Guys. Um, were guys who were more interesting. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that turned out to be somewhat true. But I think this year they have s- sort of the same thing, but they just didn't stick to the seniors as much. But they still got some interesting guys who mm-hmm. could go a little under slot in those first ten rounds. Right. Right. But not and, as much selling out for the seniors. Right. And and to me, you know, I almost think it's it's kind of seeing where the value is in a draft. Um, to me, it, it, this draft does seem better, but I think part of it has to be attributed to this year's draft overall was a lot stronger right. than the past two years have been. Um, and you kind of wonder if that's if that's to do with the fact that less high schoolers were signing under this new system. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't looked up the numbers on that, but I've got to assume with less money... Um, um, well, wouldn't the, the 2012 high schoolers would have been, they're not eligible yet, right? Yeah, they're not eligible until next year. Right. So, 
So uh, I guess maybe not. I mean, there could be some <laughs> draft eligible sophomores, right? But I guess yeah, yeah. I think to, you know, to me, it's just you know this, the the ebb and flow of drafts. You know, if you're looking through a purely Red Sox only uh, look of things, then yeah, the 2011 draft was awesome, but. 2011 may wind up being historically good. Uh, you know, if you look at that first round, uh, even kind of the supplemental rounds, that year's draft was incredible. Um, and then you compare it to in 2012 and 2013 with this new slotting system being put in and those two years drafts not being seen as very good, then yeah, the draft hall is not great, but neither was it for anybody else. You know, it's, if you look at that, the 2012 draft was the Carlos Correa draft, right? And, you know, mm. if you look, the the Houston Astros gamed the system to get Lance McCullers and Rio Ruiz, um, mm. which isn't exactly you know Blake Swihart, Matt Barnes, Jackie Bradley Jr. and uh, and was Henry Owens the other one that year? Yeah, so you know it, it's all relative. Yeah, well, Mookie Betts, but it's like yeah. you know the Red Sox; those were what they got in the in the first you know the first round and first supplemental round. Meanwhile, you know. 2012, the quote hall is looking nowhere close to what the Red Sox did that year. So, and it's, it's a lot, all relative. And regarding the Carlos Correa pick, like it's a lot easier to to game the system that way when you have you know the that first much money to, to work sure. with. Yeah. So it's like sure. you know you can save a million and a half or something just right mm-hmm. there alone. So. Yeah, and we know last year the Red Sox may have been thinking about doing that with the number seven pick because you know we heard them attached to I think it was Marco Gonzalez, the pitcher out of Oral Roberts. Um, mm. who was not supposed to go that high. So when you heard the whispers, it was kind of like, hmm, are they going to go way under slot here and then save? You know, we talk about how much you save on a pick. Well, at the number seven pick, if you sign, you can sign a guy and save a million on that pick alone. Yeah. Um, you know, you can. I think that's, I mean, the Cubs this year, uh, I forget, I forget the name of the guy they took, but uh, it was a bit of a surprise. And I think they'll probably go under slot with that. Um, but it was a guy they really liked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a catcher. I want to say I'm, I can't remember the yeah. name either. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it wasn't. It he wasn't was a complete to go, like, late first punt. Round. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't a complete punt or no, anything. No, yeah. It was uh, Schwarber was the first round pick. Yep, yep. Um, it's similar, more similar to the Correa pick, I would say, or similar to yes, if yes. the Red Sox hadn't picked Trey Ball last year. He's yeah. still a guy, but it's 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 Schwarber there instead of Alex Jackson and Nick Gordon, who were mm-hmm. you know high high upside high school picks that you know maybe might have been more appropriate to pick there, but would have needed more money to sign. So, um, but yeah, all right. Well, I think, uh, we'll put a bow on it unless you've got anything else you want to add, Matt. No, I think that's good. Uh, you got, you got some, do some time with Ian, so I'll let you go. All right. Appreciate it. And, uh, we'll be back in a second with Ian Cundell. And welcome to part two of the, uh, SoxProspects.com podcast draft day review and i'm here with ian cundall our director of scouting hello ian hello chris how you doing thanks tonight? for thanks for hopping on and uh the night night before a trip back stateside from from jolly old london yeah the last time for a few for the next like six weeks almost nice nice so well, that'll be good get well, back get back at the fields this week so it's gonna be a good week that's good to hear. That's good to hear. But uh, before we could do that, we've got a draft to break down. And now Ian uh, has been able to uh, watch some video and uh, write up reports on the first 10 rounds of picks uh, by the Red Sox this year. So we're going to go through Ian's thoughts on those players and this, his scouting reports on them. So we're going to go a little more a little more scouting focus this time, whereas uh, with Matt, we're talking a little more. A little more big picture, um, you know, not quite getting the scouting angle, but we're going to get that from Ian here. So, without further ado, actually, let's really quick just ask that you subscribe and rank and rate us on iTunes. Uh, that really helps us get in front of some more eyeballs and earballs. Um, so, if you could do that, we'd appreciate it. Also, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com/slash socksprospects. Follow us on Twitter at socksprospects. I'm at sp chris hatfield. Ian, you're just at ian cundell, correct? Yep. All right. Nice and easy. Yep, C-U-N-D-A-L-L is Ian's yep. uh, last name. So yeah, make sure you give us a follow, get all that good stuff. Um, so let's let's hop right into it then. Uh, Michael Chavis, first overall pick. I actually like both first round picks a lot, Ian, uh, Michael Chavis and Michael Kopech. Uh, what did you see from them and, and do you feel similar? Yeah, I guess I'll start with the second part first. Um, I liked, I like, I, I'm a big advocate of drafting position players because they're more exciting to scout and they make my job a lot, life a lot easier <laughs> when I can go to the fields and actually see someone hit. So, uh, I liked, I was, the Shavis pick was good. Seemed like a value pick from the, 
the expert, the people who, you know, follow the draft for a living, it seemed like everyone mm-hmm. pretty universally was uh, was applauding the pick. So on that, on the Kopech one, is that a spell? Kopech? Kopech. Kopech. On the Kopech pick, um, I actually, after watching video, I there was someone else. I liked Spencer Adams a little more than he him based just solely off video. And Spencer and the, Adams was another high school pitcher, correct? Correct, who went, I think, maybe five or six picks later to the Blue Jays. I mean, okay. not Blue Jays, White Sox. Um, and the main reason with that was just the delivery, which I guess we'll touch mm-hmm. on. Maybe we could, we'll start off with Kopech. Let's start off with Kopech then, since we're going there. His um, delivery, man. It is. Yeah, we had mentioned with Matt that you you don't need to be a scout to see that there's some work that needs to be it done is, and cleaning it up. It, it is rough. It is. There's a lot of effort, and that really concern, that concerns me with someone who throws as hard as he does, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, because other than that, every, there's a lot of things to like with him. I mean, it's the frame is I, it's what you want, you know, 6'3", 190. Six six four one ninety. Like you can see him adding twenty twenty five pounds of good good weight, and then mm-hmm. filled out. Um, he's got looks like an add weight, especially in the lower half. So have a strong core, sturdy frame. Um, the fastball jumped up in velo this year. He's sitting low to mid nineties, touching ninety eight. Yep. Um, that's all great things. Uh, it seems like the secondary is obviously work in progress. No surprise there. He's a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Seemed to be kind of a split um, between whether or not it was a slider or a curveball that people liked better of his breaking balls. Okay. Um, he does but, throw uh, both, though. I, I, I believe I remember reading that, right? Yeah, he throws both. And he only added the slider recently. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, um, some of the, the experts thought that the slider was going to be a better pitch for him because he does – when you throw a fastball as hard as he does and you have that kind of delivery, a slider is more – it works usually better, especially with the arm slot he's using. But um, the big thing, I guess we got to get to it, the mechanics. It's There's a lot going on there. And I mean, frankly, yeah, it's concerning. When you see someone like that throwing as hard as he does with – he's got a long arm action. He's violent front side. Um, he's got this huge leg kick. I think he, someone said he modeled it after Nolan Ryan. Did I read that? I think I read that really, somewhere. I, I admittedly have not been able to read up on the draft picks as much. But, this year. um, yeah, and it's, it's a little concerning. I think they're going to obviously get him in the system and they're, they're going to have to do some tweaking there because I just can't see that mm-hmm. delivery holding up and him being able to repeat it in the starting rotation. Maybe if he was a reliever, you could you could get away with a delivery like that. But with a first round pick, you're not projecting him out to be a reliever. No. You're dreaming on him being a starter. Uh, do you and think so, the mechanics are why? One thing that I had said with Matt on part one of the podcast was that you look at what you read with the stuff and the you know the fastball velocity and where all the pitches are at, and and it just seems like wait, how did this guy last till 33? Do you think the mechanics are why he lasted that long? I think it's uh, that and that it seems like he was kind of a little bit of a pop-up guy this year and that Mm -hmm. his velo really jumped up this spring. Mm -hmm. And so you have kind of less of a, I guess, like a repertoire. Like scouts haven't been seeing this Kopech for two or three years. Like you have guys like Brady Aiken, et cetera. Sure. So he's someone who, you know, when you see an arm like that, you got to wonder what happened, how did it get there? And Mm -hmm. it's harder to project those guys out because, you know, you're not used to him pitching like that. You're used to seeing another guy. And so you have a bunch of different looks and you have to mold it together. And obviously the Red Sox felt comfortable in their projection. But I think, yeah, those two things were the main reasons. Mm-hmm. And just uh, for the reference for people who may not know, Brady Aiken was the guy that went first overall this year, high schooler out of California. Yeah. Um, and I forgot to turn my AC off. Um, <laughs> high schooler out of California who was like a top prospect at like the high school invitationals as a high school sophomore, yeah. basically. So. It's because with like with the with the perfect game showcases and everything, scouts start seeing these guys when they're freshmen, sophomores in high school. They have years of you know, and when you see a big velo jump, that's something you notice. But also, you know, it could change things a lot. And Mm -hmm. not everyone's going to see every start of this guy. You know, not everyone's going to see him jump up velo wise. So right, right. Um, And then let's go to Chavis. Then Uh, seems like a pick, like you said, value pick at number twenty six, which I don't know how it. It seems to be something that happens with the Red Sox, kind of. Yeah. I, they just seem to. They kind of. I don't. I think that they really. This is how they just. They do. They board is whoever falls will take them. Mm-hmm. Seems last year it didn't really work as well as they were hoping, but this year it seems like they liked. They got lucky with a couple guys falling to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, Shavis, I think the thing that stands out is how polished he is for a high school guy. Um, mm-hmm. It's he's not. He is actually very. He's old for his age. I think he's a, almost old for a year old for his yeah, age. He's yeah, old for his grade. I think he's almost a year older than most of the high school guys. That yeah, he's, he's August eleventh, August eleventh, ninety five. So he'll turn nineteen while he's in the Gulf Coast League. Exactly. Versus, I think I was just saying at Kopech, and Kopech is 
uh, yeah, Kovacs almost nine months younger than him. Mm-hmm. So he's a little old for his, um, for his grade, but that's fine. Um, it's a, it's a polished approach. He seems, he knows how to hit. There's a lot of bat speed there. It really stood out in the videos when I was watching it earlier. Um, he has open stance, uh, toe tap timing device, really short, compact swing. The hands look really quick. Um, a lot of looseness at the plate, which is something mm-hmm. I've really, really like. Um, it's something we've seen over the last couple of years with guys like Xander. I'm not going to compare it to them, but I'm just saying like this yeah. loose. Well, well, tell us, what do you mean by looseness? Just because that's not necessarily something you hear um, when when you get guy goes up to the plate and it's just kinda, like relaxed. It's just it's yeah, it's relaxed. It's not they're not stiff as like a board. They're just there. He walks up there, his arms, you know, you can see he's just relaxed. He's it's hard to describe. It's it's not it's more of a feel thing. You, you kind of you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. You see, because when you see someone like as a, a example of for people Red Sox fans, you see Xander Bogarts go to the plate. When he goes to the plate, you see how he's just up there. The hands are loose; they're working. Okay. He's ready to hit always. Gotcha. There, there are other guys. Um, one who is actually a little st- stiffer would be an example would be someone like Aaron Cicchini. Mm-hmm. When he gets to the plate, he's a little more. It's just he seems to fight it a little more. And granted, he's hitting line drives all over the place, but he does he lacks that looseness that you see with other guys. Okay, gotcha. Um, and so I like that. That when I saw when I saw that in the videos with Chavez, uh, I think the big thing, which I'm going to guess, this might be part of the reason he fell this far is defense. They don't re- it. They don't really know what position he's going to play. I think Emil Sade said that they're going to try and start short. short. Yep. But but they're also said that he could play some second base and third base also. Okay, I had missed that part. I had only seen but, um, kind of the headlines. Yeah. So I think. Defensively, I mean, it seems uh, the report said plus arm, quick first step, fluid action. So, if you can stick at shortstop, that'd be ideal, obviously, because he's not—he's not an overly physical guy. He's listed at five ten, one ninety. So we're not talking about a physical specimen or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, if he can hit and you know put up, be a plus hitter with average, even average pop at any of those infield positions, that's a very interesting prospect. So he's definitely someone I'm looking forward to see probably in fall instructs. Mm-hmm. And then as far as with both those guys, because I know especially where Kopech, we've kind of hammered on for the mechanics, but for what they got at those two picks, I think some, definitely something to you know be happy about, correct? You're, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. you, I think I made the joke on the last broadcast I was expecting two high school pitch, I mean, two college arms Yeah, yeah. with those picks. <laughs> so it was, it was a nice change to see some high upside guys there. Uh-huh. Well, let's move on to a college bat then at the 67th overall pick, Sam Travis, first baseman out of Indiana. What would you see from his video? Yeah, um, he's actually also a little undersized, like Chavez listed at six foot two ten for first baseman. But I mean, the the big thing that stands out is he can hit, and if you can hit, who cares how big you are? In all honesty, um, right now it's there's also, and the thing is with his even with his size, there's some pop in there, mm-hmm. might slightly above average raw power um, from the reports that I was reading. Okay, and. If it's if it's if he can play first base or even I think Keith Laws mentioned that they might try him out in left field. Left field, yeah, because um, he seems like he's a decent athlete. Um, yeah, the projection I had, if I could throw this in, in yep. Lowell would be that he would go to Lowell where uh, Nick Longy is going to be going most likely, and I could see the two of them doing like a first base left field DH rotation type deal, um, just to kind of get them both some some innings at both positions. Exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, positional versatility, it's very, if you can do it, there's no reason not to. Um, but yeah, he seems like someone who actually could move relatively quick. It's a polished approach, uh, makes contact, compact swing, uh, can power to all fields. Um, there's actually, there's a lot to like there, I think. And he's someone I'm pretty interested to see hopefully next week or when the Lowell season starts very soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed like he, it made sense after you have two of the. I think you, you guys might you might have touched on this with Matt, but after two, you know, high upside high school guys have a little bit of a safer, polished college bat to add yeah. to the system. It makes sense. I actually thought that it was going to be maybe a college arm where they took Kopech, um, just because they seem to diversify whether or not yeah. on purpose or not a lot. Although last, maybe I shouldn't say that because the last two drafts they basically threw that out the window all- and just took a whole bunch of pitchers. But uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I guess moving on then, that's a good uh, transition to another pitcher. Um, Jake Cozart out of Seminole State in Florida, uh, third rounder. Kind of a the, the comparison that I made with Matt is it's almost kind of like he's a Miles Smith who's a Juco slash young college guy who only really recently has started pitching full-time. Yeah, because I, I, you, you might have touched on the Cozart thing, but he went to Duke as a freshman mm-hmm. as an outfielder and yeah. uh, didn't, didn't play at all, redshirted. And ended up transferring to Seminole State in Florida, 
and was mid nineties touching, you know, 98 on the mound. And when you do that, that's very intriguing. But I think, (laughs) I think you guys might, it's pretty interesting that this year it seems like they went more after instead of the projection types, these guys throw hard already. Yeah. You know, yeah. with Cozart and Kopech. And last year, it was more of the guys they're taking, like Miles Smith, are more like projection guys. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Miles Trey, Smith threw hard right away, too. You, I, mean, I guess, yeah, he, but Trey Ball and Stankiewicz. Maybe not 98. Yeah, no. but he, he was touching 97 before they but, drafted him. But Ball and Stankiewicz were both projection guys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And But anyway, back to Cozart. Um, I know his he could be a reliever in the end. That's one of the things, because it's, it's not a standard frame. He's a little shorter. Um I'm not sure how much weight he's going to be able to add, to be honest, because he looks more of like an athlete on the mound than someone who's going to be a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's elite arm speed. Um, obviously, you got to improve command and control, but that's you can pretty much say that with any pitch who gets drafted. Um, the secondaries need refinement. His curveball, in the video I watched, looked mm-hmm. had nice shape, looked showed the ability to miss bats, so that's intriguing. Um, change up was fringy looked like more of a work in progress so those are you know that stuff as soon as he gets in the program i'm sure we're going to see him throwing a lot of change-ups in games to get that refined because yeah. I, I they're going to run him out as a starter in my mind there's course, pretty much no yeah. doubt and the big thing too i mean i think this is one of the things they love low mileage arm you know yep. we're talking about someone who's probably got he's got one season of college pitching under his belt and it's funny because the even when the one season like the numbers don't jump out at you um, I mean, he's got a, he's got a pretty good strikeout ratio, 67 strikeouts in 64 innings. But I mean, he gave up, you know, 65 hits. Um, yeah, he was, you know, hittable. He's still kind of finding his way a little bit. It looks this, like this is definitely. I think for a college guy, he's not. He's a very advanced. Yeah, he's a project. Well, he's a JUCO. But... I mean, he's he's you know February 94 birthday, so he's he's 20. Yeah, but I mean, I, I it's very intriguing. His I mean, I don't know if you mentioned his brother is a yeah. starting pitcher for the Astros, so good bloodline, so. Yeah, and another Texan, so they seem to be going heavy on the Texan pitchers. This is true. This is true. Um, moving on, I'm not quite sure how you want to go about the rest of the first 10 rounds. Um, <laughs> I think generally, I said this with Matt, it seemed like generally from rounds 4 through 10, they really went kind of conservative after maybe going a little, getting after it a little bit in the first three rounds with their first four picks. Um, and we can just hit on these guys quickly if you prefer, but uh, Kevin McAvoy was the fourth round pick, right-hand pitcher out of Bryant. Uh, yeah, he... Sturdy right-hander, command and control guy. The stuff isn't going to stand out. Um, I th- his fastball uh, was sitting in the videos I was watching. He was like 89, 91 miles an hour. Um, someone who saw him uh, mentioned, told me that he's been up, t- touched the like 94, 95 occasionally, mm-hmm. but that's not very frequent. Uh, but it's a heavy fastball. He can locate it, throw strikes, good pitchability. Mm-hmm. Um, needs to improve his secondaries. Again, gonna, probably going to say that with every pitcher we're going through. But uh, it seems like they're going to try him out as a starter, maybe a bullpen arm, but I think this is more of a money-saving pick. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, and then I guess we might as well just move on to Josh. Uh, I don't know if you know how to pronounce Okimi. Okimi? Sure, I'll go with uh, Okimi. 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 Let's go with that. Okimi. Uh, well, the first thing, he's huge. I don't, <laughs> he's listed, we have him listed at 61215 because that's what the MLB.com thing does. But I was watching the perfect game. Yeah, he does his, look bigger. He is mass. He's listed at six four two twenty on perfect game, and huh. I would not be surprised if that's accurate. But um, anyway, it's a big power bat. High it's school a, first baseman. Yeah, high school Philly. first baseman from uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Philly. Power pe- Philly. Whatever mm-hmm. is that? Pen- that's Pennsylvania. It's in Pennsylvania, but I'm just saying. Oh uh, yeah, like, yeah. It's not like Sean Coyle, where it's like you know the, the ore fields of Pennsylvania. Yeah, I got you. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's the bats, the, the upside here. Um, that's what you're going for here. Swing mechanics are very interesting, actually, because he's way on his front side when he makes contact. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something they actually might work on um, because there's not a lot of load in his swing. It's, yeah. So, but he's projectable, good athlete. If he hits, he hits. If he doesn't, I don't know how much money they're going to give him, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um all right, uh, moving along. And then, then Okimi, we should mention uh, commitment to Indiana. So um, they took the yeah. Indiana first baseman and the guy who, in theory, could replace the Indiana first baseman if he doesn't sign. Uh, moving along, the center fielder, kind of an intriguing pick. Uh, Danny Mars out of Chipola College in Florida. Florida guy. Uh, yeah, um, 
I think he's also he's going somewhere big D one next year. I thought he, I read he was, I, I think he was committed to Florida State or something. Yeah, Florida State. But anyway, yeah, contact hitter profile, line drive approach, good base runner, speed on stands out. Seems like mixed consensus is he should be able to stick in center field. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like you know depth guy. You, you never know. I mean, he, it wasn't a lot to be honest on him out there. There was yeah. no video or anything, so that was more me just going off from seeing what other people had to say about him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, seventh rounder was Reed Riley out of Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Right-hander, uh, uh, was a reliever at Cal Poly. I know, which which you love. Oh, I love I love relievers. Well, we saw last year, Lowell in relievers. They can, you never know what you're going to get. Joe Gunkel, Kyle Martin, guys like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was actually the closer for Cal Poly, and uh, he put up some pretty impressive numbers. Uh, he's up to 94 with the fastball. He's got some funky mechanics, um, comes right across his body that gives him good deception, that it allows the pitch to play up a little bit. He gets ground balls, works down in the zone. Um, Changeup is his best secondary offing, flashing above average. So that's, you know, if you got a two-pitch mix right there, clear out of the bullpen, that definitely will play. You never know. They could try him out as a starter because he does have a starter's build. He's listed at 6'4", 220. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he stays in the panic, we could be looking at a polished army moves relatively quickly. Yeah, it could be a situation almost like, well, I guess Gunkel's a bad example because now he's starting. But uh, but like Kyle Martin. Kyle Martin's Kyle already Martin. in Salem. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, eighth rounder is Ben Moore, who was an outfielder recently at Alabama, but had caught upon first arriving in Tuscaloosa and uh, is apparently going to move back to catcher uh, with the Red Sox. Uh, what did you see out of him? Seems almost kind of like a maybe a Carson Blair type where they're going to move him behind the plate and see what happens. Does that maybe sound right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like he didn't really have an outfield profile. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, he's a contact hitter. Um, doesn't strike out, which is a good thing, but there's limited power and doesn't project to have much in the future. Mm-hmm. And he was only an average defender, not a plus runner or anything. So seems like he, a tweener. Exactly. And if you, if you can do, but those, if you can have those traits behind the plate, then, you know, Mm-hmm. That's but very a lot more interesting than a corner outfielder with those projections. Sure. So it makes sense, I think, for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, uh, and then uh, Kevin Steen, ninth rounder, right-hander out of uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Commitment to Tennessee seems almost like he's kind of like maybe the. I hate to say this, the before he became Uber prospect Mookie Betts, the pitching version <laughs> of Mookie Betts. Well, I guess they can only hope. But, uh, right. yeah, he's projectable, loose arm, great athlete, actually. He's a very good basketball player mm-hmm. um, also, so really good athlete. Um, project. It's project, though. It's project. It's all what you can dream on. Right now he's sitting in the high 80s, touching low 90s occasionally. Um, he's shown, actually, he's got a repeatable delivery, easy motion, which you see pretty often when you have these good two-sport athlete types. Um, yeah, it's just one to dream on. And he's someone that if I would not be surprised if he signs, he's a GCL guy probably for two years before we even start to really, you know, so, yeah, cause I'm, cause I mean, that's almost, I mean, that's kind of a death knell. Let's that, be honest you're, here. You know, you're probably right, but it seems like he's not going to sign to the deadline at which point he probably will not pitch this year Okay. if he does. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, it's, he seems like he strikes me because he's extremely young. He's still 17. He's a July 96. So he's a year younger than Chavez as a comparison. Okay. That's fair. So, uh, yeah. the, Cause the thing with, and you know, this is mostly, this was Mike's observation that I had, I haven't really done the research on or anything, but it just seems like players who repeat the GCL after being draft, drafted, just, it doesn't, there's not much of a track record for those guys at all. That's um, probably true. <laughs> you know, at yeah. least be good enough to go to Lowell, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just really tends not to go well from there. Um, all right, well, the last guy in the first 10 rounds is uh, Cole Sturgeon, outfielder from Louisville. Um, senior sign, probably not going to get a big contract or a big Seems signing bonus. Depth guy. Depth um, guy. Yeah, his average frame runs well. Actually, strong arm is actually a brought other relievers for Louisville and had a pretty successful year on the mound. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I, I kind of reminds me of Forrest all day last year. Someone, okay. you know, he's, he's going to start. He'll probably start in Lowell as soon as he signs or when Louisville gets knocked out of the College World Series. Mm-hmm. Probably hit near the top they of the order. They just advanced, right, actually? Pretty they, sure. Yeah. He'll, he'll hit near the top of the order, you know, put up decent numbers, work at bats. The kind of guy you need in the lineup to balance out all the high schools, the, some of the younger guys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and give him a chance to, you know, have some decent bats in there. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Cool. All right. And then had, had you been able to scout anyone beyond the first 10 rounds or no? I have not yet. Um, that was something I was going to get to later this week, but at okay. this point, no. Well, maybe we'll talk to you about that later on. Yeah, um, maybe the next one we can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever the next one happens. Yes. You know, the, let's put it this way. The, the job hunt is still going strong. Because so, life happens. Because life happens. All right. Well, exactly. All right. Well, um, I think at that point we'll wrap it up. The, uh, the fiance has called my phone twice now and doesn't know I'm doing this. So yeah, my friends, I have friends standing outside my door right now. Okay. So. All right. Well, let, well, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ian. And, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, maybe we'll just, I think we'll just tack this on to the end of the, of the prior thing with matt so thank you everyone for downloading again rate and review us uh, subscribe on itunes we appreciate it do all the other stuff we said at the top for ian i'm chris so long everybody